Hi, I'm Frances Robertson Ritchie. Welcome to today's episode of The Explored Life, More Than Yoga. In today's episode of The Explored Life, More Than Yoga, we are going to be tackling the complex subject of pain. So I'm going to be talking to one of my most favourite and well-respected yoga teachers, Hannah Stewart. And you might have heard her episode right back when I first began the podcast in August about how she approaches yoga, making yoga safer, individual to you and more functional so that it suits you and your body. So many of us suffer with some sort of pain or injury, some sort of discomfort, even us yoga teachers. And unfortunately, there is no quick fix for persistent pain. But there are many ways that we can support ourselves to repair, restore, to recover, to support the healing process. When we understand the complexities around our bodies and how they, the body responds to injury and how pain works, then we can start to make informed decisions about how we support our own health and well-being. So listen up for Hannah's top tip for keeping our bodies healthy and pain-free. Um, saw your post that you um, put up on Instagram and it really like sparked a light bulb in my brain because um, it's something I've been thinking about for a long time probably like since we started lockdown and especially since like, my back started to hurt I started to suffer from back pain and I was like hang on a sec I'm a yoga teacher I should be completely like uh, you know uh, protected against any kind of pain <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is just yeah. so crazy isn't it and um, so I really have been um, looking into for my own benefit, like, um, you know, what's good and how do you manage it? And first of all, I started thinking, how can I fix it? Because that's kind of like the way we think about it, isn't it? And it made me realize just how um, the more I read and the more I looked into it, how crazily complex it is, actually, mm-hmm. pain. And that it's not as simple um as just doing yoga and you'll be protected from pain for life and that's certainly not the case is it definitely not let me just I'll just say what your um your post said it said in reality nothing really goes out of place and it's old terminology that once was seen to be useful to describe impaired function and justify manipulation fast thrust techniques so tell us a bit about that post okay so yeah, it, I have, and I'm sure you come across it in your teaching, where injuries are really common. Um, not necessarily, you know, I'm not saying you sustain an injury from yoga or anything. Um, people will come to you with their diagnosis as though it's the end of the world, whether that is um, a slip disc, a torn rotator cuff, a whatever, whatever it is, you know, um, things that go wrong with bodies. And it's like, it, it's like it's, it's it's sort of like prison sentence for their body when they receive this. Yeah. I now have this, so I can't do this ever again. And that 
isn't the case. There's also, I, I mean, I'm, I'm specifically talking about like chronic. I don't, I don't even think they call it chronic pain anymore, do they? It's got a different name. Because again, chronic pain has a quite negative connotation to it. It's persistent, yeah. isn't it? Persistent pain, which is something that's lasted over three months. So if someone has an acute injury, that's totally different. We're not talking about that. You know, they break their leg or something. <laughs> we know yeah. that something's gone wrong, it's going to need to repair. Um, so when people are told, and it is specifically the language that I struggle with, they told like, my back has gone out. My hips are out of place. You know, I am not good enough. I am wrong. I am broken. It's all of this sort of negativity. And it's just like, well, actually, your bones don't go out of place. If we were that fragile, we wouldn't be able to do anything. We wouldn't be able to run. We wouldn't be able to lift very heavy things. So all injury is soft tissue. That's what people have to remember. Like, I've had people who've been told that their spines have straightened out. I've had people been told that, you know, that vertebrae have shifted, you know, all this sorts of thing. And it's just, so I, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense to me. This isn't how the body works. So I always go to my teacher who is uh, Stephen. He's an osteopath. He actually lectures osteopathy. So, um, and he's very into like the, the the modern way of thinking around injuries and stuff. And, you know, that's where that statement came from, is that nothing actually does go out of place. You yeah. have, um, because the, the body is is this sort of like tensegrity structure, we have bones that are suspended by ligaments and tendons and all of the things that connect them and muscles and everything. So, you know, if something's tight, it will shift something. So it will cause you know, a bit of an impairment somewhere or whatever, but it's not the fact that the bones are shifted. It's the fact that there's an issue with the soft tissue there. Yeah. Which it has absolutely no correlation to pain either, yeah. which is super, super interesting. And like, there's so many sides of all this. We're all not, we're not symmetrical for number one. We all have massive variations in our spines and our pelvises and everything. So when you are shown that x-ray or that scan and you suddenly are faced with this list of issues, it's game over for a lot of people. They live in absolute fear of their body. Yeah. That this needs to be fixed. This needs to be changed. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, one of the things that I find really super interesting from a kind of hypnotherapy and mindset um, perspective is the power of um, language and belief and um, and how I mean there's it's it's proven with the placebo effect that you know um, if you believe something it will affect how your body responds and now they've got the nocebo effect haven't they so it's like this this language and terminology that is used by sometimes by medical professionals you know um and sometimes by ourselves like oh i've got a bad back and you know it's like the language um reinforces these beliefs that you are broken and you won't get better you know and then it becomes a reality so it's actually quite, but I mean, which can sound, you know, you think, oh my goodness, that's, um, that's not good. But if you flip it around, you also have the capacity to believe that you will get better and that your body is very resilient, which it is. 
yeah. and strong and has the capacity to um, heal. I think the the thing that um, people and myself, there's frustration when you hurt yourself. There's a lot of frustration, isn't there? And um, And we're not necessarily very patient. So we kind of expect, we want to be fixed right away. So we'll go to an osteopath or a chiropractor so that they can fix us. Mm. Or we'll ask our yoga teacher, what is the best pose that I can do to fix my lower back pain? Mm. And I just think it's probably, that's where we're, we're just a bit confused, aren't we there? Yeah. Yeah, it it is confusing. And, you know, pain when you have it is scary. It's debilitating. You know, it can massively affect what's going on. And so usually when when we are in pain, our next stage is to want a diagnosis for the pain. And I know people that have had four or five different diagnoses with their pain. And so Someone will look at you and they'll make an an educated guess on the cause of your pain. You might go as far as to have a scan that will feed you a piece of information. And it is only a tiny little piece of information of that thing at at that time. And unfortunately, I mean, don't get me wrong, there are some amazing chiropractors out there. There are some phenomenal osteopaths. And I have lots of people that I'd recommend people go to. But there's also um, sort of an old school way of thinking, which is once you've been shown the damage that you have, you then need to be fixed by this person. You um, you need to have eight treatments, 10 treatments, and it's all about them fixing you. And it's never focused on actually you can fix yourself. I can, I can help you. I can guide you. And that's how it needs to be. And I think it was one of my um, sort of favorite chiropractors that I follow in Moses Bernard. He's... Um, yeah. Florida and he said that one of the first lessons he got in chiropractic school was how to get a patient for life and he was like well this is the wrong way of thinking I want to fix that person so they don't need me anymore and that's the sort of person you should be seeing is someone who's like right okay let's put you on this path of repair and then you shouldn't need to see me anymore for that yeah so if you're getting someone who goes oh you're going to need an eight week plan or you're going to need this and this and this and this they don't know how your body's going to respond to this stuff and they're just after your money (laughs) and then we become reliant on these people because we believe it's the only way that we can be fixed yeah and it's a very passive um passive way of kind of approaching it isn't it it's like you say you go to this person and you sort of like handing over control of your well-being and health to this other person whoever it is you know it's not not even necessarily always an osteopath or a chiropractor it could be a doctor gp whatever um whereas rather than sort of taking control of our own um Mm. recovery and repair and and finding ways to support that you know because there are ways there's things that we can do ourselves to support um and you know i I think this is quite common with some yoga teachers as well that they are i know your body better than you which is rubbish you you know your body better than anyone else you know the sensations you're feeling and a lot of people don't have that degree of i suppose inner wisdom or inner listening so the immediate reaction to pain is fear is caution is 
oh god you know um and sometimes when we're actually a little bit more mindful about actually what the pain is where the pain is perhaps what stuff makes the pain feel worse um we we can be more intelligent about our own you know bodies or our own movement and stuff like that and there's i've had um classic example i lifted something that was a little bit too heavy the other day i thought i was being very clever picking up a weight that that my body wasn't ready for and i had that you know that the reaction to drop it and i had a shooting pain go up my back and instead of like old me would have gone that's it i'm out for a you know weeks i can't possibly lift anything up and so i was like okay okay let's just feel this out for a moment i'm gonna stop i'm gonna breathe and yeah i just started all sorts of bizarre movement you know just to try and feel where it was and after about maybe half an hour of rolling around on the floor various movement various spinal movements various it went it had gone because rather than stillness fear and stopping I was like okay let's go into this let's just feel it I haven't had a problem since I've lifted up that heavy weight again and I just wonder if a lot of people had that mentality afterwards explore it I'm not saying make it hurt no gentle movement you would feed back more information back into your nervous system who is, you know, your nervous system's job, your brain's job is obviously to, to, you know, prevent injury, is to protect your body. And so sometimes all of this stuff that's tight and, you know, the muscles that are there, they're, they're doing it out of protection. Yeah. And you sometimes feedback, actually, you don't need to do that. You know, I'm, I'm okay. And, yeah. um, and, you know, that's why somatics work so good. That's why, you know, yes. yoga are absolutely wonderful for that. But I think the, the main thing that we've got to realise with pain is pain is an alarm. It's, it's a, a sensation um, that you're, it's a decision that your brain makes based on the information it receives. So we don't have pain receptors in the body. We um, have receptors that feel things. So um, uh, the, the classic example that everyone hears about is when you, you know, put your hand on a hot... <laughs> Um, hob or something like that and you don't realize it's on you know you whip it away but there's a you know a super fast reaction that's happening there where your body detects the temperature sends a little signal up to the brain to basically say okay this is happening down here what do we do with this and the brain will immediately detect that it's dangerous and trigger this fast reaction to it yeah Um, but you know, and, and that can happen. That's when your body's doing a good job. That's when your brain is doing a good job of preparing you. But then it can th- get it wrong sometimes and it can get, you know, send too strong a signal for something that perhaps doesn't need that. And it's based on that moment, but it's based on everything else you've ever done up until that point. So if you have a belief that your lower back is weak, if you have a belief that you have damaged discs, that your spine is out of alignment, that your hips are wrong, you know, all of this stuff, then it's only going to take something quite small, um, like, like a paper cut. The damage from a paper cut is nothing, is it? But the pain from a paper cut is absolutely insane. It doesn't correlate to the damage that's happened to your tissue. No. And that's the thing that we have to remember about pain. It's an alarm, and sometimes that uh, alarm is set way too sensitively yeah and sometimes when we're in this chronic and persistent pain the alarm's going off for no reason at all even after the damage is repaired and that's like there's so many tests that have been done recently on um I think that they've scanned a lot of spines they've done CT scans and lots of things rotator cuffs was another one and there was zero correlation between pain and tissue damage 
Yeah, that was something I wanted to touch on because you get that, don't you? You get people who have tissue damage and they're not feeling any pain. Yeah. And then you get people who are feeling pain and where they're feeling the pain, there's no damage. There might be damage somewhere else in the body, but, you know, it's it's so like you said, there's no correlation. Yeah. And And that's something I think that's really, really important to remember. And that's when it comes back to owning your own body and being very, very, very mindful about your own sensations and what you're feeling, because I just find that fascinating that all of this stuff that people are very wary of in today's society, you know, particularly disc issues or um, tears in various joints, uh, capsules and, and stuff like that. This, um, when they, again, when they did like tests on the spine, they, they were like, oh, you know, 80 something percent of people over the age of whatever, I'd have to get the exact facts for you before you, before you quote me on this, have disc issues, have, have imperfections, if you like. And it's like, well, if it's over 80 percent, surely that's the majority. So surely that's normal. Yeah. <laughs> so degeneration, um, or, or no, no, that's the wrong word. I don't want to do that. Changes yeah. are part of, being human well it's aging isn't it it's just aging it's the aging you know that's what happens to our bodies as we age yeah and the thing is is the body absolutely functions perfectly well with these changes Um, and again don't quote me I'm brilliant at reading things and not remembering where they came from um when they sort of looked at rotator cuff tears and where um People have maybe experienced pain or not experienced pain. They've scanned some and been like, wow, you've got a tear there. Because everything else is going to do the job to make up for the area of damage. Everything else is going to take over. You're going to live with that rotator cuff tear absolutely perfectly fine and never know that you have one. Um, They have repaired certain rotator cuff tears. And within a year or two years, they've retorn. But because they've had the surgery and the belief that it's okay, they don't get pain the second time. So yeah. it's, like, it's such a massively complicated subject. It's It really is. Yeah. Um, I found it really interesting. One of the things that I read and it, from a study, and I will try and I'll find it and quote it, because um, it was really interesting, is that actually they found that um, general exercise any kind of exercise um, is proven to be as good for pain as surgery in many cases. And what I thought was really interesting about the general exercise is that it's not specific core. And this was for, this was specifically for back pain, right? So it's not, not specific core exercises, like actually working the core more doesn't necessarily isn't going to be better at helping your back pain than say walking you know so this is the amazing thing is that you know movement feeds so much information back to the nervous system and there's this absolutely wonderful quote that I've heard um which is which is the best exercise for me to do for blah 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 and the answer is the one you enjoy the most that's exactly what they finished with yeah (laughs) you enjoy that you're actually going to do regularly you know every day you have to do it every day you have to exercise regularly but yeah, it doesn't matter what you do, just move. <laughs> and like, yes, obviously, I think yoga is wonderful because yoga's worked for me. Yeah. And I would say that, but for the person who hates yoga, they might prefer going on a bike ride. <laughs> they might prefer, you yeah. know, it's the important. The important thing is movement in in every situation because that is when information gets back to the brain. When you move something, the brain goes, "Oh, hello, 
oh, yeah, I've got an arm, a leg, a foot, an ankle, whatever it is. And then it's aware of what that's doing. And if something is sedentary and unmoving, that's when the signals are all screwed up. That's yeah. when you are more likely to experience pain. And this um, this terrible idea of, um, you know, and, and again, this is not acute injury. This is long-term chronic stuff, persistent stuff, is not moving. It's the worst thing that we can do. And... And that's what I just say to people. I'm like, move it, move it in pain-free ranges. Please move it. Please don't, you know, not move it. It will never adapt. It will never change if something is kept perfectly still. Yeah. It's perfectly safe to move it. And Definitely. there's yeah. so much evidence to, to support all of this. And, you know, I think, I think lower back pain is super important. It's one of the most common things we see. It's one of the most common reasons that people come to yoga is because of persistent lower back pain. And can guarantee you half the time whether or not there's tissue damage there is totally irrelevant. They start moving the pelvis, they start moving the lower back, pain goes. It can go within a session. Yeah. So that kind of feeds very nicely into my um, my finishing question, which was going to be, um, what would you say to someone who comes to your class and says, what's the best thing I can do? What's the best thing that you can show me for my lower back pain? I mean, I would say, you know, um, they have to feel safe in control and that they trust their body. So, you know, if you begin lower back movement on the floor on your back, you're very secure. First thing is you're not going to hurt yourself. You're not going to hurt yourself by doing something. And this is like, you know, this... um, the, the pain equation, uh, or sorry, the injury equation is that simple one, that if the load exceeds the capacity of the tissue, you end up with damage. If the capacity is greater than the load, you have no injury. So laying on your back and just starting with pelvic movement is the basis of beginning to deal with back pain. And then you build on that movement from there. And honestly, I can get people in crippling, crippling back pain who will start just tilting the pelvis on the floor. They start segmenting the spine a little bit. I really believe that's the basis of everything, spinal segmentation. Um, and by, 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 an, by the end of the class, they're, they're able to move better. They're, they are pain-free. Yeah. Problem is, and this is for everything, a, a class won't fix you. Um, you will go back to your bad habits of you know, and we, we do have this mindset of, oh, I've moved. I've moved for an hour today. I can spend the rest of the day sat down in something that perhaps is a terrible position for my body, my comfy sofa or whatever, you know, lounging. So I just say to those people, it's you're better off doing little periods of a couple of minutes throughout the day than you are doing just one hour and then doing nothing. Yeah, that's great can, advice. Yeah, if you can move more or if you can build up your time on the floor in the day rather than your sofa you know um maybe, maybe you like to I don't know, watch a bit netflix <laughs> for the can you watch an entire episode sat on the floor and you will fidget and it will be uncomfortable and that is encouraging you to move it's the best thing you can do yeah yeah so switching positions moving fidgeting all the things they tell us we're not allowed to do from a very young age at school bring them back <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 definitely that's such good advice i love that um moving more in smaller chunks rather than just thinking I've done it for the day and then yeah going back to sit however you because for 23 hours a day the information that you're giving your body is stillness yeah movement and um and I think this is something that's certainly more doable 
when we're faced with situations like lockdown. You know, it's um, it's harder, I think, for a lot of people to commit to that solid one hour or hour and a half of movement because yeah. of the Zoom fatigue and everything else. So if you can commit, oh, my goodness, if you could do a few minutes when you wake up, if every time the kettle boiled, you did some pelvic tilts, if every time you were waiting for something, you just decided to, it doesn't have to be a massive, solid practice. It can be just when you think about it, how you're sitting, what you're doing. Could you move differently? Could you sit differently? Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to be completely honest here and say that for my own personal practice, practice, I very rarely do a whole hour, you know? It's like, who can fit that in every day? Uh, with the kids around and you know got work you got, <laughs> got to support yourself you know so yeah I mean I think 20 minutes is for me is the you know yeah. sweet spot just 20 minutes you know sometimes 10 yeah and then I'll do I do go to a class every week so that's my hour and a half or whatever but uh, and then interspersed with walking and other stuff anything else I can fit in you know exactly that's perfect absolutely yeah. Yes, it is. It is consistency that's the important thing here. Little little doses. Yeah. So fit somehow, and this is a whole nother um, another subject, really. But somehow fitting it into your lifestyle in ma- in a manageable habit, you know, so that it doesn't feel like oh, I've got to do this thing. Yeah. You know? If it feels like that, you're doing the wrong thing. Yeah. And that's, what, that's what you have to remember. If it feels like and. Um, my husband recently um, did a kettlebell training course. Um, I saw and, that. Looks yeah, good. which is really cool. And one of the things that they drilled into them is leave a couple around the house so that just every time you walk past it, you pick it up a few times, you swing it a few times. So it never becomes a workout, but it yeah. becomes that constant habit. So they're bloody everywhere. I fall <laughs> over the it's made me start doing it as well. Yeah. Because, you know, this, this idea that as well, again, another subject, that we're so fragile that we need a warm up with everything is just not true. That's, yeah. you know, we should be able to, you yeah. know, when you talk about natural human movement, you know, when we were hunter gatherers or whatever, we needed to move a rock. We weren't going to consistently build up <laughs> these weights in 10 no. kilo builders. We're just going to move the rock. And so, yeah. you know, little things like that. Well, but, when um, I go to Tesco's, I don't do a warm up before I then pick up my bags of shopping. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I have to yeah, just pay yeah. them hard, don't I? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think, you know, like, especially as we're coming into another lockdown now, one of the things that we, we quite often do in the house is <laughs> it's probably like really bad health and safety advice, but li- I leave little house obstacles. So I'll put a load of yoga bricks oh. out just so yeah. you have to like tiptoe on all of them or whatever and just you know put the kettlebell out so you have that's a brilliant idea yeah Yeah. leave leave around different texture different brain puzzles different movement puzzles because because your brain loves it and you know just change the rooms around a little bit so you've got more stuff to do in them yeah yeah for sure I bet the kids love that as well don't they sometimes (laughs) they fall over them all the time (laughs) but yeah just and they're, they're the things they're the little habit breakers that you could yeah bring in there and then it becomes fun That is such a good idea. That's a really wonderful tip to finish on. Thanks so much, Hannah. It's lovely to chat again. Lovely to see you on the podcast and nice to see you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. Hopefully see you soon in person. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening today. Don't forget that you can subscribe to listen to more episodes. You can leave a review if you've enjoyed today's episode and you can share with your friends. 
and I'd really appreciate that. Look forward to seeing you next week. And if you need a few moments out for yourself, I've left a free guided relaxation recording in the notes for this podcast. Take care, guys. See you next time.